Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and today we are uh, not celebrating. We're recognizing Black History Month uh, with some more episodes on race riots. You can check out episode number 144 for the first part uh, of this series, I guess. Um, And look, here's the thing. Um, Some of you might find it, some of you uptight white people might find it a little... Uh, distressing that I'm having a, a, a Black History Month episodes, but it's going to be around uh, race riots in which black people just get absolutely massacred. And it's not, here's the thing, I can see how maybe on paper um, there's kind of like this reverse, like, oh, we're actually celebrating it down with the blackies. No, that's not it, right? That's not it. Uh, see, I did, uh, I think maybe it was the first year of this show, uh, I did a Black History Month episode where uh, all of the people uh, in the in the stories were, you know, black characters or, or there and such. And uh, I didn't do it for the last couple of years because um, here's the thing, uh, not because I don't want to recognize black people by any means, but one, uh, most of the stories, most of the stories uh, that are documented and that uh, just happen, mostly white people, all right? And here's the thing. Black people in America take up about 12% of the population. So, you know, at most, if we're going to be equitable, all right, if we're going to be equal, if we're going to be just then only 12% of these podcast stories should even be about black people in the first place. I'm probably not at the 12% mark, but also just because, look, here's the thing, all right? <clears throat> here's the thing. Black people aren't that bad, all right? Uh, this show is all about the weird and the heinous and the bad. And black people, they're not that bad, all right? It's white people that are the worst, but black people... They they just like yeah we were slaves and that's it and then there's been a couple bad a- bad apples here and there but uh, for the most part it's that they, they've been just they've been doing their thing you know winning NBA championships and Super Bowls and such because they're really good athletes like God they're good at sports uh, but anyway I uh, this is that moment in the monologue where. I've kind of backed myself into a corner, but then I also have it because I haven't said anything that's factually inaccurate yet. So we've got uh, three stories today. We're just going to seamlessly segue into that. Uh, Arthur McDuffie, the Perry, Florida race riot, and our first story will be of the Wilmington insurrection. During the Reconstruction period following the Civil War, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, had become actually the largest city in the state, um, mostly thanks to Union occupation of the port during the Civil War. Large numbers of freed slaves then migrated to Wilmington and actually began building up the city. Uh, By the end of the war, black people held a majority of the city's population. So in the election of 1898, we're some 30 years or so removed from the Civil War. 
uh, after spending the previous election cycle since 1875 swapping control between the Republicans and populists, uh, the Democratic Party, who were the racist people at the time, uh, they actually won the majority of the elections and took control of the state legislature by basically running a campaign based on white supremacy and fears of black men taking and impregnating all of the white women. Uh, this was spurred by a group called the Red Shirts, and I can you can just take a wild guess how they got that name, who went around disrupting Republican and black uh, community meetings in an attempt to basically just scare people and prevent them from voting for more reasonable and not racist candidates. Well, after the 1898 election, white supremacists led by Alfred Moore Waddell created the Committee of 25 and presented a series of demands to the Committee of Colored Citizens. Uh, one of the demands was to evict Alexander Manley and his brother Frank, who were owners of the Daily Record, the only black-owned newspaper in the state. Uh, the Committee of 25 then gave the Committee of Colored Citizens until November 10th to respond but they never did because that's a silly thing to respond to. So at 8 a.m. on November 10th, Waddell and an army of as many as 1,500 men marched to the Daily Record office in Wilmington and just burned the entire building down, which probably easy to do in a place that manufactures newspapers. And then because angry white people have this weird fascination with fire, uh, the group quickly transformed into an angry mob, grew to as many as 2,000 men, and then just started going through the entire city of Wilmington, attacking and shooting any black family that they came across. Uh, a guy named Walker Taylor, who had been part of another racist committee created by Waddell, was ordered by the governor to take the Wilmington Light Infantry into town and stop the violence. Well, this infantry who had just come back from the Spanish-American War marched through town and they're not on anybody's sides. They're intimidating black people. They're intimidating white people. They've got these new fancy rapid fire weapons. Um, mostly the, like they figured out they could really just join in on the races and they killed several more black people uh, along the way and eventually kind of took the side of the whites. Uh, in the end, somewhere between six and a hundred black men were killed uh, because record keeping wasn't a big deal back then. Uh, over 2,100 black families or black people permanently moved away from Wilmington after this event. Uh, the mob then went on to force Mayor Silas P. Wright, a white man, and several members of the city government to resign. Uh, Waddell, who had been leading this mob, then took over as mayor by the end of the day. Uh, Wilmington's residents who didn't evacuate then pleaded with president William McKinley for help, but were told that nothing could be done without a formal request from the state's governor. Well, obviously that never came. Um, in the following years, the democratic controlled legislator passed a bunch of voting laws to exclude blacks and poor white people by requiring a poll tax and passing a literacy test, which was often administered by a rich racist white person in order to vote. And that that's an important detail because that, that goes to show you even today, like it's not about race. Like a lot of this, you know, a lot of this started to be about race, but in the end and overall, it's about poor people because all of the black people, I don't say all of them, but like the vast majority of the black people were also poor and illiterate. And so those groups of people 
we're all going to vote the same anyway, right? Like the poor white people, of which there are plenty in eastern North Carolina, they're going to vote for more government assistance and lower tax, you know, all that kind of stuff to that the the Democrats at the time or the populists, uh, they were going to be trying to do. And so they were trying to get more restriction, all that. And, you know, and, and so the black people, the poor white people, they wanted a more liberal government. They weren't going to get it because these people came into power. So that's I mean, really, guys, it's what it's all about. All right. It's the rich versus the poor. And there's this they, they oftentimes they'll dangle this ornament of racism to distract you from I'm getting real conspiracy laden right now and I don't intend to be, but like open your eyes, bro. Anyway, you get it. Um, the, uh, the democratic controlled legislature also went on to pass segregation, uh, Jim Crow and martial laws against black people in North Carolina. And these laws stayed in place for more than 60 years until the civil rights movement occurred. And all of them were, you know, obviously repealed. Uh, a short story here uh, for our second one. In 1922, Ruby Hendry, a white school teacher, was murdered by a guy named Charles Wright, who just so happened to be black. And guess what, guys? Ruby, she is a little white girl. All right. We love in this country. We love it when a white girl gets murdered because, oh, God, I'm surprised. Like Netflix will make a documentary about this if they haven't done so yet. They've they've still got to get through all of the current white women who have been murdered. They'll get to this one eventually, probably. Uh, it also didn't help that Charles Wright was an escaped convict, but he was quickly seized by an angry white mob, as if there are any other kind, uh, and <laughs> made up of several thousand uh, people from local and out-of-state areas uh, in the small town of Perry, Florida, which is probably um, kind of like in the Tallahassee-ish area. Like, it's not like super close to Tallahassee, but like in that general part of Florida. Um, Wright was then tortured until he confessed to the murder. And then he was burned at the stake. Like he was a witch. This is 1922. All right. And because an angry white mob can't stop at one murder, they then found and shot and hanged two more men. They burned down the black schoolhouse in Perry. They also burned down the Masonic lodge, a church and several families homes. And that's, just about it. Like everything just kind of went back to normal at that point. Um, I, I mean, there were other massacres like happening in Florida, by the way, you don't think of it as a hotbed of racial tension, uh, at least between like white people and black people. Maybe there's some stuff going on with Hispanics. I don't know, but like so many like massacres happening there. Uh, there was one in the town of Ocoee, Florida. Uh, there was one in the town of Rosewood, Florida, and just a bunch of other, uh, smaller lynchings and stuff like that. Like Florida, like Florida is always just been a dumpster fire, but like so much of a dumpster fire that you don't even realize that a lot of it ha was ra racially motivated. Anyway, it's just a wild story. Uh, anyway, our final story here uh, happened on December 17th, 1979, when 33-year-old Arthur McDuffie led police on an eight-minute high-speed chase through the residential streets of Miami, Florida at over 80 miles per hour on his Kawasaki Z1 motorcycle. Um, according to the police report, and it is, there's 
going to be, there's a reason I say according to the police report, uh, the group of six officers in pursuit watched McDuffie lose control of his bike while making a sharp left turn and he fell off smacking his head on the ground. Uh, although he tried to escape on foot, the officers then wrestled him to the ground where he attempted to fight back. Uh, McDuffie was eventually subdued and taken to the hospital for his injuries because he fell off his motorcycle. Wink, wink. Um, he died four days later. Following the autopsy, Dr. Ronald Wright said that it was basically impossible that McDuffie had died from injuries from falling off of his bike. And it was almost a certainty that he died because he was beaten to death. And here we go. Oh, I feel some of your buttholes pucker. And then I felt some of you be like, yeah, duh. We heard that coming all the time because police just beat everybody. This is great. I love, I love creating these scenarios in my head in which, uh, fake listeners of this show are at odds with, uh, the things that I am saying. And I, I like to imagine a world where some of you are in your car and you're very angry with me. Maybe not with me personally, but you're like, oh, man, back the blue, man, oh, support the police. And then some of you are in there like, yeah, a cab police suck. Defund them. Bruh. Of course they beat a black guy to death. That's what they do. It's, it's great being in the middle of this and just telling stories. Um, <laughs> honest, ob obviously like he was beaten to death. Uh, that, that's just, indisputable at this point uh nine days later Charles uh, officer charles viverka made a sworn statement that he had lied on the initial police report and that there actually hadn't been any sort of high-speed chase at all some of you probably just assumed that the high-speed chase part was real that's how bad the, the narrative around police brutality is in this you guys didn't think for one second that a police chase wasn't part of it. You probably just thought, oh, yeah, they probably just, you know, maybe he did crash. And then that's how they caught up to him. And then they beat him to death. But no, he actually didn't even crash his bike. What had actually happened was that Viverka had simply pulled McDuffie over for some unpaid traffic tickets and a suspended license. And here's the thing I get, guys. If you just pay your traffic tickets, even if you don't agree with them. If you just get your license renewed, then none of this would have happened. And I fully get that. I don't understand why people will just blatantly ignore, uh, like paying traffic tickets. It's like, oh, I didn't do nothing just because they like disagree with it. Like, well, yeah, that's fine. You're allowed to disagree with it, but like rules is rules, right? Like you just gotta, you gotta be able to deal with those consequences and Boy, did Arthur McDuffie deal with those consequences. Uh, so basically what happened, Viverka uh, pulled McDuffie over, tells him he's got some unpaid traffic, takes a suspended license. And then in the gentle and always amiable way that police handle things like this with black people, uh, Viverka aggressively pulled McDuffie off the bike after he walked over to him. and was like, you know, I pulled you over. McDuffie took offense to that and took a swing at Viverka, which you shouldn't have done, should not have done that. Um, so then McDuffie or sorry, then Viverka calls for backup and because one police officer with a gun couldn't possibly win in a fight against an unarmed black man, uh, within minutes, as many as eight officers were on the scene beating McDuffie with their nightsticks and industrial flashlights. 
just just swarmed on him. Um, as McDuffie lay on the pavement covered in blood, the officers then realized they had that moment of clarity like, oh, we went too far. And so instead of being like, we should really get this guy help, they decided to stage the entire scene to look like an accident. One officer ran over McDuffie's bike with his patrol car, which broke the gauges and made it look like McDuffie had crashed. Another officer threw McDuffie's watch in a gutter. Another officer scraped the pavement with a tire iron to simulate skid marks. Like, they really thought this through. Uh, All eight of these officers were suspended, and Officer Alex Marrero, who had taken particular interest in bashing McDuffie's skull in with his flashlight, was charged with second-degree murder. Uh, the other seven officers were given lesser offenses like manslaughter and tampering with evidence. In all, that particular group of officers had been cited 60 times between citizen complaints and internal probes since 1973. So, like, no one was super surprised that any of this even happened in the first place. Uh, during the trial for these officers, McDuffie was painted as an ex-Marine who doubled as a karate expert who... Uh, you know, like was this really nice guy? Oh, sure. He had some unpaid parking tickets, but like he was a, he was a patriot and he was just, he was ready to defend himself in his country. But also, even though he was a trained killer and could like put anybody in a chokehold immediately, prosecutors did note that it should not have required eight armed police officers to subdue him. Uh, on May 17th, 1980, all eight officers were then acquitted by an all white jury because of course they were what I, I don't understand how you acquit all of these officers in this trial. Like they have signed confessions that they staged the entire thing and that they beat this unarmed black man to death when they probably didn't need to and they all get acquitted and of course all of the black people in miami were upset and there's probably quite a few of them down there uh that night five thousand people protested at the downtown miami metro justice building which of course quickly turned into a riot uh three white men coming home from a day of fishing just in the wrong place at the wrong time, they came across this mob and they were dragged from their car and beaten to death. A butcher in his shop was ambushed by another mob who or not went at his shop. He was in his car. They threw stones at his car as he drove past, causing him to panic and crashed into a wall. And <laughs> this is so wild. The mob then like converged on his car his crashed car, set it on fire and trapped him inside and let him burn to death. Just wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, Despite over 3,500 National Guard troops in the area, the riots continued uh, throughout various neighborhoods of Miami for the next three days. Uh, Governor Bob Graham uh, eventually instituted a curfew and a temporary ban on alcohol and firearm sales, which actually did help in the riots. Like, (laughs) it's like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to get people drunk and you're going to just let them go out and get a gun that day. It's probably not smart. Uh, However, in these riots, 18 people were killed. Nearly 400 people were injured and nearly 800 more were arrested. (laughs) 
All right, some more race riots in the books. Um, you know, unfortunate, but that's how it goes sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? I'm sure you've noticed, like sometimes, sometimes when a story doesn't end on a particularly high note, I don't know how to transition out of that into like the, what we learned segment. Um, so that's, I, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard being a podcast. I know I make it look so easy. It's hard doing these, uh, every week. So what did we learn today? Number one, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, who knew? Uh, a site of one of the biggest uh, racial riots uh, in history. Uh, just some angry white people were like, black people can't read when have a newspaper. Blah, blah, blah. And so they burned down the entire newspaper. They just attacking black people all willy nilly and f- basically forced 2,100 black people to leave the city and go live somewhere else. Uh, number two, uh, it's always on continuing to that point. Don't don't get so caught up in the racial aspect of a situation. All right. Just because uh, something happens to someone whose skin is a different color doesn't mean that that was the reason why it happened. It's very easy to immediately turn to that because that's the most obvious thing you see right up front. Oh, that person looks different than me. That's obviously the problem. It's not. It's almost always socioeconomic status. It is the wealthy elites, the the Illuminati elite. It's just the wealthy elites making sure that they can keep the poor down and, and controlled. And even better, if they can pit one side of the poor against another side of the poor and just let them fight and argue it out, all the better. So let's just not do that. All right, cool. And then number three, Arthur McDuffie was beaten to death by Miami police officers for no real reason. And uh, they got acquitted for it because, of course, they would. Next week on our weird world, we are, I can't believe it's taken over 200 episodes to have this as a topic. We are looking at stories from North Carolina. Maybe some of you who are listening to this don't live in North Carolina. Well, guess what? This show emanates from North Carolina. I was born and raised here. This is my state. It's not that bad. And so we're going to find some things about it that kind of (laughs) are. So... Uh, We are going to look at four stories from the state of North Carolina. Uh, We're going to look at the stories of Archie Kinsalls, Alma Petty Gatlin, Tom Dula, and Leon Holloman. So uh, if you like North Carolina history, then this episode is for you. I know we're popular. Like, I know we got a bunch of California listeners, uh, oddly popular in some places around the world, but, uh, 
North Carolina. You get to learn about it a little bit more uh, next week. So thank you for continuing to listen. Keep telling all your friends and keep it weird. (laughs) 